Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Hey, Advent, uh, this is the third week of Advent. Advent is this really compelling season uh, where we join our ancient brothers and sisters uh, in faith and we join them in waiting. Uh, They waiting for the Messiah to come, us waiting for the Messiah to come again to make all things new. Uh, Advent is this season of longing, of hope, of anticipation, of kind of recognizing the ache for things to be made right. Uh, In this Advent, what we're doing is we're going on a journey, and we're journeying toward the world that is to come. The Advent is, yes, a season about looking back and remembering uh, and celebrating the coming of the Christ child, Uh, but maybe more than that, Advent is a season of looking forward, of of leaning into the world that is yet to come. And so in the first week, we learned uh, that it is our responsibility and our privilege as the people of God to embody the way of peace. Uh, In the second week, we learned uh, that we are to be a people that hold on to hope in our waiting, Uh, that hope is learning to see the world through the lens of what shall be, rather than just kind of what is right in front of us. But there is another marker on the journey uh, that we cannot overlook in the midst of our longing, and that is the marker of joy. Uh, That joy is one of these central things that should mark the people of God. Um, and, and we can't overlook that, we can't forget that, particularly in a season of kind of longing, of anticipation, of hope. It, uh, it's really easy to uh, recognize all the things that aren't right and kind of lose our joy. Uh, and so this morning I want to encourage us toward joy. Uh, and I want to read Isaiah chapter 35, the first seven verses. Uh, we've been looking at the prophetic passage and then a gospel passage, but in an effort to keep it short, uh, we're just going to do uh, Isaiah today. So Isaiah chapter 35, uh, I want to read the first seven verses, uh, and today I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT. It says this, Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, then, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I'm just struck that once again we benefit from the prophetic imagination of Isaiah. His ability to see a world that is not yet here and yet infuse the people of God with such hope. 
With poetic mastery, the prophet Isaiah paints a picture of joy invading the desert. Of joy invading the desert. Flowers bloom in the wasteland. Pools of water form over dry ground. The deaf hear, the blind have sight, the lame leap, and those who could not sing or speak sing for joy. It's a picture both of healing and of joy. And I'm actually reminded, as I was studying this passage, I was reminded of Pixar's brilliant film from 2015, Inside Out. Okay, many of you have probably seen it, but this film follows the emotional life of 11-year-old girl Riley uh, by personifying her emotions. And so we're, we're kind of brought inside her emotional life as we watch these emotional characters interact. And throughout the film, especially at the beginning, but, but clear throughout, the character Joy tries to silence uh, sadness. And, and she tries so hard to silence sadness that at one point, Joy uh, isolates sadness into a small room and tells sadness to study and read brain manuals, right? So here, you don't have anything to do, and like shoves her off into this corner, shuts the door, and says, read these manuals on the brain, right? Uh, just trying to isolate her. Now, the reason Joy is trying to isolate sadness is her motivation is pure, uh, but Joy sees the, see, fails to see the importance or the role of sadness in the emotional life of an 11-year-old girl. So at the end of the film, though, what Joy learns in the journey that she goes on of this character is that she sees that the moments of greatest joy in Riley's core memories were actually preceded by moments of sadness. That the big lesson, that, and spoiler alert here if you haven't seen it, uh, but the big lesson that Joy learns at the end is that there is a relationship between both joy and sadness. It's an absolutely brilliant film that can be enjoyed on a number of levels. Uh, but I was, I was struck by Isaiah's poetic image and this Pixar film Inside Out because I thought, you know, if you really wanted to say the the main core lesson of Inside Out, if you wanted to write that poetically, you might say something like, the wastelands will rejoice and blossom. That the wasteland, that these moments or seasons of sadness where all is not well will be met with rejoicing and blossom. In fact, as I've reflected on my own life, I've found that joy-filled moments have come often out of seasons of sadness or circumstances of difficulty. Uh, it was after a cancer diagnosis and surgery my freshman year of college when I experienced the joy of belonging to a community. It was there that I learned the strength that can come from knowing that you are not alone. Almost 20 years after that, during a season of loss and disappointment, mistakes, betrayal, I learned the joy of friendship. I experienced the joy of having people who love and support you and who decide to believe the best about you. And I just, I'm so struck by Isaiah chapter 35 because I just feel like, isn't it just like a good and gracious God to bring immeasurable joy out of the desert. And so I would say to us this Advent, in our longing and in our waiting, let's not forget about joy. Uh, take a moment even to think about 
the greatest joys in your life? I would submit to you that two things are probably true. Number one is it comes either in the middle of or after a season of wilderness and of darkness. Or, and or, the joy is shared with others or joy is brought because of others. In other words, joy is always communal in nature. Joy is shared and shareable. (laughs) I love verse three. After talking about this joy invading the desert, verse three says, with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. That's a very poetic and beautiful way of saying that joy is communal. It is shared and shareable. It helps us reach out and gather up that particularly those who aren't experiencing joy, that when we have joy, we can share it with those who aren't there, who aren't in a season of joy, but we can bring joy to other people, amen? Like joy is this kind of shareable thing that we can experience. But I want you to notice too that healing comes from the sharing of joy. That healing comes from the sharing of joy. Wholeness comes from the invitation to reach out. Isaiah doesn't say go and heal. He says go and build up and then healing will happen. And so we have this sense that we're all kind of pilgrims on this way. What I love about this vision as well is that this prophetic vision filled with language of joy and abundance and life does not deny the existence of the desert or the wilderness. In fact, this prophetic vision explicitly names and embraces the reality of wilderness. Sometimes when we think of joy, we think of joy as being this kind of ignorance toward all the things that are bad in life. And joy is not that. Uh, Joy is, is not pretending that everything is okay, right? Joy is not pretending that everything is okay, but rather joy is choosing to see that there is beauty to life despite all the things that, are, that may be going wrong. Joy is the ability to see that there is beauty in life despite all the things that may be going wrong, despite the wilderness. You see, it's so important for us to realize as the people of God who seek to embody joy, that joy is not pretending that everything is okay but rather joy is embracing the beauty of this thing that we call life. I love um, musical singer-songwriter, musical artist who goes by the moniker Sleeping at Last. Uh, I think I love him because I identify a lot with that name. (laughs) Like Sleeping at Last is a band name for people who are tired, right? So (laughs) so there's a lot that I love about just the name, but he he writes this song, uh, Saturn, and it's this like four and a half to five minute song where there are no lyrics until almost three minutes in. And so it's just this like musical score uh, and then you finally get the, the lyrical introduction to the themes of what he's been trying to convey musically. And here are the lyrics. And this is uh, from the song Saturn. You taught me the, the courage of stars before you left how light carries on endlessly even after death. With shortness of breath, 
you explained the infinite, how rare and beautiful it is to even exist. I couldn't help but ask for you to say it all again. I tried to write it down, but I could never find a pen. I'd give anything to hear you say it one more time, that the universe was made just to be seen by my eyes. Clearly, the song kind of tells the story of, of him interacting with someone on their deathbed. And, and at the point of death, kind of sharing and passing on wisdom. And, and at the point of death, this person says how rare and a beautiful a gift it is to even exist. Right? Sometimes, sometimes when life is nearly too much, we just need a dance party to connect us to the goodness of life, right? That sometimes when you are overwhelmed and you're not sure what to do and you don't know how to move forward, you need to head to a river, tie on a fly, and wrestle a fish to the shore, right? Sometimes when life has got you down, you need the simple love of a puppy who licks you on the face or a kitten who plops in your lap. Sometimes when life is heavy, you need to soak up the sun, go for a swim, build something, go for a walk. The list could go on and on and on. But here's the thing. In each one of these examples that bring us joy, they connect us to a very important truth. And the truth is this, how beautiful and how rare it is to even exist. Right? Like when you dance, you become sort of in your body, right? You've got to feel your body move and you, to, the, to the music. Like the, I tell my girls, there's no rules for dancing. You just move to the music, right? You just let the music overtake you, right? It's great stuff. But it connects you to your own sense of like existence and I am here and it's going to be okay. Right? All of these things. It also helps us going for a walk, connecting with friends, a swim, the sun, whatever it is, this kind of, these kind of recreational activities point us to the reality that there is beauty all around, just waiting to be seen. And I'm so struck by the line, the universe was made just to be seen. <laughs> Right? And so participating in these simple acts of joy, again, is not pretending that everything is okay. In fact, if I can be open and honest in my moments of cynicism, and I have plenty, I lose joy because there's so much that isn't right. There's so much that isn't as it should be. I'm 40 now, so I'm in full-blown midlife crisis mode, and so I sometimes look forward and I, and I think all the things aren't as they were supposed to be, right? So things aren't as they should be, everything's not right, I thought I'd be further along by now, I thought like you kind of look back and you realize I'm right in the middle and I thought I'd be further along now, you know? And so I lose joy because of cynicism. But joy is an invitation to embrace the beauty of life and the invading power of redemption. Do you catch that? Joy is an invitation 
to recognize the beauty of life and the invading power of redemption. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about, I love music. I listen to it all the time. And let, so let me tell you about another song. In his brand new song, just released, John Mark McMillan, it's a song called Juggernaut. And John Mark McMillan sings this. He says, blossoms dress the trees. Spring, without permission, rages on again. <laughs> the ruckus that she brings, a juggernaut stimulating merciless in a show of power. Right? What a poetic way of portraying how spring overcomes the winter. And then the course, the course is this. Life, life is heavy, but it just won't stop. Life, life is fragile, but it won't give up. It cries for us. Listen to the voice of your maker now. Hear the one that calls. To all you don't know how to be, but now you will. For life, life is heavy, but it just won't stop. Life, life is fragile, but it won't give up. And I just think, man, what a powerful, like, song of resistance. <laughs> that, that in a time where it's, it's easy to feel so disoriented on the journey of life, and, and we live in a time where, where it's so divided over so many things, to talk about the invading power of redemption. Well, I suppose it sounds a lot like joy invading the desert. And so, one of the things that I sometimes pray when we're praying together as a family, and I don't want you to get the wrong idea, we're regular folks who are, are living life just like y'all. Like, it's not like, you know, we don't end every day with like a 90 minutes of dedicated prayer time as a family, right? And we all put on like our St. Francis costumes and, and then like, this is not how it is. I'm talking about like the short prayer time before bed after a busy day, but sometimes I will pray, Lord, would you help our home to be filled with joy? Uh, because it's so easy to get caught up in all the responsibilities and you're running kids everywhere and you've got things to do and, you've, and, and you kind of sense all the things that are going on in the world, but you just like don't even have time to think about that or process that uh, because you're just trying to get your own stuff ordered and, and together and where they need to be and like all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think it's an appropriate prayer to say, Lord, would one marker of our family be joy, be the marker of joy. Um, and I think I probably pray that because I'm the one who usually is the most cynical. <laughs> I'm the one who's usually like, is something wrong? No. Which is a way of saying everything is wrong, you know, <laughs> right? Like that's usually me in my house. Uh, and so I think, you know, I think that's why the Lord has me preach about stuff like this and But this Advent season, where we enter into longing and anticipation, would you join me in doing our best to refuse to get lost in the darkness and embrace joy? Um, 
And I want to say this again, I know I'm harping on this, but learning, but looking for joy does not mean ignoring all that is wrong with the world. It means paying attention to all that is right. And, and, and it means kind of opening our eyes to what is, what is of God, what is a sign that God is still at work in your life, in your community, in our church, in our world. Like it's kind of, it's just learning to kind of flip the switch and to say, what are the ways that I see God at work? And so may your journey, may your home, and this is a big one, may your inner life be marked with joy. May your journey, may your home, may your inner life be marked with joy. Because we serve a God who has come in human form, who has joined us in the mess, and we hold on to hope that he will come again to make all things right. And for that, we can give thanks, and we can be a people marked with joy. The scripture says it this way, the joy of the Lord is our strength. May that be true of us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good gifts that we enjoy in this life. And thank you, God, for all the reasons that we have to be joyful. And it's easy to get caught up in all the things that are wrong and the things that are not right. We recognize those, we embrace those, and Lord, when necessary, we speak out against those things. But may we also be a people who recognize the joy-filled, hope-filled life of Christ. And so God, help us. For those that are in a season of darkness and of wilderness and who really need this, this message and this, this uh, idea and thought of joy and need joy in their lives, God, I pray that you would give them just little evidences, little activities, uh, things that could be done uh, that would reconnect them to the goodness and beauty of life. And so, Lord, help us uh, to find those things, to make those things a regular part of our journey. Uh, we love you. We give you thanks and praise. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.